What's good, everyone? Welcome to this special edition of What the Fintech, a podcast for fintech professionals who are ready to shape the future of our industry with innovation and inclusion. I'm your host, Nicole Casperson, and today I'm coming at you with what I like to call News Bites. It is a collaboration between Yield Street and What the Fintech. So today I'm going to share with you three fintech news stories and trends that you need to be paying attention to to get ahead. Sound good? Okay, well, let's get started. As a journalist who has covered the finance sector over the last five years, I've had the opportunity to interview and engage with some of the best minds in the space. Leaving big bank earnings reports to the boring traditional media firms, I'll focus on the tech-savvy apps, digital investing platforms, challenger banks, and payment giants to drive relevant content that looks forward to disruption instead of fearing it. I'm Nicole Kasperson, fintech journalist, and this is What the Fintech. For our first story, let's talk about the rise of the Gen I investor. And yes, you did hear me right. We're not talking about Gen X, Y, or Z, but Gen I. Gen I stands for Generation Investor. What the F is that? It's a type of investor that's not bound by when they were born, but when they started their investing journey. The distinguishment starts with a time period we're all very familiar with, the coronavirus pandemic. The effects of the global pandemic are still felt in workplaces and across many industries, and the stock market and financial services have definitely been impacted. COVID-19 might have triggered a mass exodus from stocks in February and March 2020, but that dip, plus a distribution of stimulus checks, opened the floodgates to a rush of new investors, like 10 million of them, according to J.D. Power. And according to another survey conducted by Charles Schwab, 15% of U.S. investors got their start in 2020. And that, my friends, is Gen I. Here's some quick facts about Gen I. They have a median age of 35 years old, so they're largely millennials. They earn about $20,000 less in annual income than investors who began before 2020 with an average income of $76,000. And about half of them live paycheck to paycheck. What's more, majority of these Gen I investors say the pandemic has negatively impacted their finances, more than investors before 2020. So despite Genai's financial woes, the group has turned its challenges into an opportunity. Let me explain. 54% started investing to build an emergency fund. 53% started investing to gain an additional source of income. And 41% say they kept better track of their savings and finances. So this new cohort of investors shows no signs of slowing. So what's more important to this group than really any other investing strategy? Investing in companies that meet environment, social, and governance criteria, also known as ESG investing. That's right. These investors care more about their money supporting a company that values corporate social responsibility and social good. It's perhaps one of the more positive things to come out of the pandemic, With a global refocusing on issues of justice and fairness, the ESG investing market has skyrocketed to a $17 trillion market and changed the investment landscape forever. Here's a fun fact to remember. The Google end-of-year report showed that more people searched for how to be an anti-racist than how to be a millionaire in 2020. 
So there's some sign of hope for humanity. This massive commitment to justice-oriented investing is now finally reflected in customer preferences in the financial sector. Next, let's talk about one of fintech's favorite subjects to tussle over, buy now, pay later. I like to think of it as layaway, but make it modern and fashion. Buy now, pay later is just another name for an installment loan. It's provided through platforms like Klarna, PayPal, and Afterpay, which divides your purchases into multiple equal payments. Sounds a lot like a credit card, right? Interestingly, buy now, pay later providers love to bash traditional credit cards. Don't get me wrong, so do I. But the president of PayPal, Dan Schulman, to say that credit cards will soon become extinct is a bit of a stretch. I'd say it's about an $804 billion stretch, which is about how much credit card debt Americans have, according to a study from LendingTree. So credit cards and buy now, pay later are both bad. But buy now, pay later providers are the ones being investigated by the CFPB, aka the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. In fact, the CFPB has officially ordered Affirm, Afterpay, Klarna, PayPal, and Zip to submit information so that the Bureau can report to the public about industry practices and risks around accumulating debt, regulatory arbitrage, and data harvesting. While buy now, pay later, providers like to advertise that they deliver a better and fairer alternative to the credit card, it's kind of like just putting a shiny new bow on an already harmful product. On top of that, it's not actually that helpful for policymaking or for consumers because buy now, pay later and credit card are basically different ways of providing the same thing. It's part of the reason that CFPB director Rohit Chopra has told providers to submit information. The thing is, the problem is we just haven't really addressed that the credit card issue and the debt issue. And now we're just putting a shiny new version that has arrived way too soon. It's like when January 2021 came around and I was still processing what the F happened in 2020. Still processing in 2022, but moving on. For our last story, let's talk about the metaverse, also known as the digital world where you can walk around, meet people, go to concerts, choose your clothes, play Beat Saber with your best friend who happens to live in Colorado while you live in New York, you know, whatever floats your boat. I've played in the metaverse myself, and it's pretty damn cool. It's not quite the movie Ready Player One cool, but who knows? Maybe we'll get there, given the metaverse is predicted to become a $1 trillion business within the next several years. Prices for digital land plots in the metaverse have soared as much as 500% in the last few months. One investor recently paid $450,000 to be Snoop Dogg's neighbor in an online metaverse neighborhood called Sandbox. Think they're sipping on gin and juice, too? The growth of the metaverse, NFTs, and blockchain technology continues to be fascinating and rapidly changing area of finance. But as Janine Oreo, CEO of Republic Realms, reminds us, it's highly, highly risky. For many, the metaverse is increasingly as important as the carbon world we're in right now, but this is particularly true for younger generations, also known as future investors. At the end of the day, the metaverse has ramifications for forward-facing businesses and investment strategy. I definitely recommend leaning in to that disruption. 
All right, FinTech fam, that's all for this special edition of What the FinTech. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Thanks to our friends over at Yield Street for helping out with this episode. If you loved it, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find me on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, talk to you soon.